Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. My guest on the series this week is the incredible Poppy Jamie. She is just such a wonderful person. She has an incredible way of articulating what we all need to hear and making it really actionable. She is the founder of the incredibly popular app, Happy Not Perfect, which helps over 90 million people worldwide to manage their anxiety and their unhelpful thoughts. And she has just brought out a new book of the same name, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. She talks a lot about her own experience, her battle with perfectionism, um, her own mental health struggles and what led her to, to this journey. And uh, The book encourages readers to challenge their core beliefs. I think core beliefs is something we've touched on a bit before, but it's really, it's quite a tricky thing to unpack. So we talk about that. And also most, most importantly, Poppy shares her flex strategy to um, handling anxiety. So the flex method, it's all about flexible thinking, flexi thoughts that prioritize love, forgiveness, optimism and growth. And what I really like about this approach is how it encourages us to become curious about our anxiety and about the feelings that we tend to want to run away from, which really helps us to unlock the feeling in the first place. So I have a great chat with Poppy. It turns into maybe a little bit of a therapy session for me as she helps me with my own uh, insecurities that I've been feeling lately. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. She's she's brilliant, and I hope you, I'm sure you'll get something from it as I did. And definitely check out her new book. It's out now, widely available wherever you buy your books. Poppy Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. You mentioned there that you actually have listened to it before and that makes me so happy because sometimes you really believe it's just you and your mum maybe who ever listen to anything you do. Oh my God, I have that the whole time when I'm like, am I just sending things out into this big kind of uh, universe and basically, yeah, my mum is my only listener. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I can count you and my mum as my top two listeners then. Exactly. Uh, congratulations on the new book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. That sounds like a book that I could really have used myself a couple of years ago. So yeah, you, you've, you've launched already. You've been really busy launching. How has it been going down so far? It's been going down really well. I, you know, it's been a really odd process because before the book was out, um, funnily enough, I really did have, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety because it was the first time it, I kind of feel like I was revealing everything about my kind of internal world. It was all my worries and fears. And actually my own book managed to help me really release that fear around, I guess, feeling a bit exposed and very vulnerable and a friend said to me don't worry at the moment you're just a sausage without a skin and I feel like everyone can relate to that in those moments where maybe you're going to do some public speaking or you're doing something slightly out your depth and you do feel a sausage like a sausage without a skin you feel just a bit like soft and squidgy (laughs) it's so true but I mean I really believe wonderful things can happen once you're willing to 
you know, be your most vulnerable self and people just connect so much more. And I guess when I was, you know, reading about you before we chatted and, you know, all of the Wikipedia stuff lists off what sounds like a very intimidating, super accomplished, you know, go-getting woman, you know, you've been a Forbes 30 under 30. It's an achievement that most of us can only dream of. And that was your reality. But it's, I guess it's refreshing to, to us to hear that, you know, with all of that success, you know, obviously comes its challenges. And I think for you, would I be right in saying that perfectionism and I guess achieving so much at such a young age would have been quite a trigger for anxiety for you? Yes, I mean, absolutely. I think that, um, and what I write about quite deeply in the book is when you look at the reasons why you're working so hard, you look at the reasons kind of why you want certain things. Um, And I think, you know, we're all a mixture of so many different reasons. Um, But a lot of my drive was coming from this feeling of, well, I'm so not enough as I am. I've got to do this to be more. I've got to do this to be enough. And, you know, a little bit of that, don't get me wrong, can be really helpful. It can kind of push us to do things that maybe we didn't think we could do. But when that turns obsessive, and um, I talk about in the book, uh, there's an amazing psychologist called Mandy Seligman who talks about daily addictions and how, you know, even just the simplest of things can become addictions. Like work to me became an addiction because it was something outside of myself I was using to try to fix an internal wound. So in a way, I thought that work would be a solution to me not feeling like I was enough, me having very low self-esteem, me having like total the opposite of self-acceptance kind of like self-critique and self-hate and um that led me to complete kind of chronic burnout and quite a lot of mental health issues and was there anything specific going on that brought it all to a head for you i mean for so long i think we can all function at such a level of you know highly functioning anxiety where it sort of fuels you to keep doing what you're doing i got to the point myself where you know i guess there's only so much you can give and then i've quite literally fell to the floor was it similar for you yeah it was it 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 was exactly that. And I had, when I look back, I'm thinking to myself, your body showed you the signs. Yeah. You didn't need to get to the point you got to, but I was so undisconnected from my body. I was so disconnected from how I was feeling because, you know, what, I, you know, what I've really explored is we're told what to feel, happy, good, not how to feel. And as a human, we have such a spectrum of emotions that come and go. And we, we, we think we feel so many different things on a daily basis. And um, so any uncomfortable feeling that would come up, I would just got, I got really good at distracting myself, very good at numbing, very good at suppressing. Oh, that feels uncomfortable. Well, it's going to go away when I work harder or I'm going to exercise harder or I'm going to just push myself more and it will go away or I'm going to do this thing or just go online and just try to distract myself with Netflix. And um, and so my body started, my health started to break down. Like I got incredibly bad bloating and it was like my stomach was almost like rock solid, hard bloating. So it kind of looked like I felt like I was pregnant um, for months. And, you know, I tried to take kind of, you know, everything you possibly could, all these different supplements, but nothing was helping. And it was because I was just so chronically stressed out. And then one day I just totally broke. And that was when I had to, I was living in LA at the time and I had to take myself to hospital because I had no idea what had happened. And that's when I got diagnosed with chronic exhaustion and, um, you know, I kind of was annoyed with my diagnosis. I was like, no, it has to be more, it has to be more. And they were like, no, you are chronically stressed out. And did that make you feel more anxious? Because then for me anyway, it was like, you want something tangible to pin the blame on. And if if you're just getting told you're anxious, well then you're, it's quadrupling. Cause now it's like, well, why can't I cope? How people can cope and I'm not coping. So did that, did that kind of make it grow arms and legs for you? Funnily enough, it actually helped me focus into going right what are the what are the solutions Mm. because even though I was exhausted and don't get me wrong this wasn't like oh I started researching at day one I you know I was had a time of recovery just trying to kind of do the simplest of things and then I realized that I actually knew nothing about what really was going on inside my brain I didn't really know anything about what the brain does when it is stressed and I started realizing that if I'm, if I want to fix something, I've got to know how it broke in the first place. I've got to know how it works. And to be honest, 
education was the root of this huge life change. When I started to actually learn what was going on and learn how the body reacts to stress, I suddenly was like, of course. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And also I'm not alone. And also this is not weird. This is totally normal. We have not been created to handle the world that we are living in. And I was pushing myself to crazy amounts, like putting myself under crazy amounts of pressure. And when I started to read books like Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, I started to understand the fight and flight system. I started to understand that our biological hardware really hasn't changed that much since, you know, the very beginning of our kind of species, but yet our world has changed rapidly. And a quote I always go back to, you know, the human ability to create is so much faster than the human ability to adapt. And fundamentally, I and millions and millions of others around the world were struggling with this, with that gap between we've created a world where smartphones are giving us, you know, like thousands of emails a day we're checking our phone 400 times and 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 it's causing us this kind of I think almost this biological crisis um and 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 there was nothing wrong with it but also there are solutions out there and that was the point of total and utter as I said like life-changing like behaviors it makes so much sense I mean when you start to peel back the layers and understand where we are in society versus where our actual like you say our hardware is you know thousands of years to catch up it makes it makes sense that we would all find it very hard but did you feel on the trajectory that you were on like in LA where it's very much you know best foot forward and and even in the UK as well did you feel that there was no room for vulnerability or I mean I know a lot of people have this assumption that everyone in America is anxious and just you know getting on with it but was there room for it in your in your career? So this was 2016 and uh no one spoke about mental health and I was fortunate so my mom's a psychotherapist and even you know even though my mom has tried so hard to give me advice and to be like you've got to slow down Poppy you've got to start saying no you you know stop putting so much pressure on yourself there's uh, I think there's one moment where you're listening and there's another moment when you're hearing Mm. or the other way around you hear but then you actually listen to it and also someone can take you to water but no one can make you drink like you're the person uh, you're the person that can change your life basically it doesn't really matter how many times you're told something if you're not ready to hear it and um and so being in America it was a very easy environment to ignore any advice and really fuel my perfectionism because you know LA in general is this inverted commas very perfect place to live like everybody there is looking like a supermodel they the 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 kind of currency of that place is very much kind of you know fame money and at the age of 23 I had none and so I so I immediately internalized that as well, you've got to be more perfect to be accepted. And so when I had my breakdown and I started to learn about mental health, I that's when I started to realize that there were so few, few tools out there. The only kind of apps in the landscape at the time were some meditation apps and I found meditation really difficult. So I suddenly thought, surely there must be other ways for us to manage our anxiety, not just to sit there and grapple with meditation, which can be really frustrating. And so that's when I started to dive into, you know, positive neuroscience and looking at kind of psychotherapeutic tools and how we could turn that into technology, which eventually turned into the Happy Not Perfect app. But when I was even, you know, raising money to try to build this app for people, I was told, don't use the word mental health you know, people are scared of that word still. And in 2016, I realized, oh, wow, we are living in this world where we celebrate physical health. The physical health world has gone through a revolution. We, none of us really went to gyms before the 90s. And I remember if, I remember doing like one run and you'd get celebrated for it. Like, wow, she did a run. And obviously we then had this kind of explosion of gyms and classes and people understanding yoga and stuff. And um uh, and the mental health world had nothing. We, we, and I suddenly, and I was hosting a TV show on Snapchat at the time, I had millions of viewers. And I remember having all these messages of people expressing the same worries that I had. Oh, I'm so anxious. I'm so worried about the future. What's going to happen? And I remember going, where on earth are 
where on earth do we go when we're worried? Like in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., like what on earth do we do? There's so like such little information out there. And obviously fast forward, you know, six years and we're living in a totally different world because we've had, uh, you know, podcasts like yours. We've had a total mental health revolution. It's amazing really how far we've come, but we still have so far to go. So tell me about the app then. That is quite a massive undertaking. I mean, like you could have started with a book or, you know, the podcast, but the app, you're reaching over 90 million users, staggeringly large audience and like amazing for the business, but also alarmingly indicative of where we're at with people struggling. What was the, what was the goal with the app and how do people engage with it? So I wanted to build the Happy Not Perfect app primarily because I wanted to put my mum in an app um, because I suddenly thought, wow, like psychotherapy is absolutely incredible. If everybody could have a psychotherapist, I generally think we'd live in a different world. Mm -hmm. But also it's hard to find a good therapist and they're expensive. So I thought, well, what about if I could take the exercises that she would do with her clients. And then, you know, sometimes you don't really want to go to your mom for your therapy. So I started going to lots of other different therapists. It really is, you know, for myself and also as research. And I started to work with a neuroscientist at UCLA to turn the research into an actual interactive format. And what I mean by that is, so in, I, I did a research study across the US and Europe asking people, so, you know, are you stressed? And obviously every, every group said yes, tremendously. And I asked them, well, what do you do about it? And, you know, they didn't really know. They're like, oh, well, I kind of, um, and a couple people were like, oh, well, I meditate. But I would say that I found less than 20% of people could meditate uh, because especially if you've got a really, really busy brain, it is, it's like telling a car that's going hundred miles an hour to go to zero. I was like, well, how do we just help someone just maybe slow down to 80 miles an hour, you know, because that's actually, you know, 20% decrease in your, in your kind of your brain speed. Um, um, that's not really such a thing, but, you know, 20% just reduction in the stress levels. I mean, that's a huge difference. And so that's why I wanted to turn mental wellness into a game. And so that's really what the app turned into is this kind of seven step game called the happiness workout. And then I wanted to use words like workout, this idea that our brain is just a muscle, like every other part of our body. If we never moved our body, we would feel so stiff, lethargic, sluggish. You know, we would feel just end up just getting really tired all the time. But when we move our body, we actually adjust our energy. We fill ourselves up, you know, moving our body. We actually get more energy for doing it. So I thought, well, what does the brain gym look like? Um, and so that's when then we developed the sleep wind down, like a little game you do before sleep to help process of your thoughts and help you get to sleep. And then we just launched the manifesting workout, which is this idea of, you know, how do you set your intention um, and actually train your brain to start looking out for more opportunities in your life? Because our brain is just a machine that we can reprogram away from what was installed in us in childhood. And, you know, our psyche, of course, absorbed everything that was happening to us growing up. And if we're not careful, our childhood beliefs can rule and dictate the way that we interpret life for the rest of time. But that can change. And that was really the focus of the app and really like furthering it with the book. How do we take this information and, and allow it to be in a place where every single person, no matter who you are, and you don't have to spend... You know, hundreds of pounds on, you know, on really expensive interventions when, you know, you don't have access to that. And how do we make mental health democratic? It's such an accomplishment. I'm curious as well, you know, when you take this left turn or, or you know, you, you step off the trajectory that you're on and you, you lean into this well-being and mental health space, how did you look after your own mental health as you were taking on something so huge? I mean, it's grown to be so massive and then you've added the book to it and in the beginning, like, were you conscious of how, how do you go into this space with also not compromising your own mental health after having worked so hard on it? Well, to be honest, I mean, that's a great question because the irony and what I touch upon in the book is that I really struggled. And even though the intention of the company was there to kind of solve the problems that I was going through, you know, it's the same perfectionist, like unbearable what pressure I put on myself just came back even though then what I was working on was really positive and really good. If, 
it's all, and that's, and that's the whole thing with mental health. It doesn't matter how much, you know, if you're not doing what, you know, like I'm working on an app to help people, but if I'm not using my own app, if I'm not doing the tools every single day, then I'm going to struggle. Yeah. It's like putting on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. It's so, it's so true. And it's so easy. I think when, if you are a kind of, you know, a person that likes to help people, it's really easy to burn out because you're getting so much energy from helping people and it's really great and wonderful and you love it. But also at the same time, if you're not looking after yourself, you, you, you do end up combusting. Um, and so that's been, you know, that's, and, and also great, a great learning from, you know, struggling, even building the company was, like the lesson that, you know, we never complete our mental health. It's not like you could just, you know, read one book and you're solved forever or, you know, kind of go on one retreat and you're solved forever. You know, our mental health is a constant work in progress. We've got to constantly go back to basics. And, you know, you may have a couple of months where you're like, I'm on top of the world. And then suddenly, you know, life brings you a challenge, you know, like it did for me. Suddenly like, oh my God, the, the app has crashed. Oh my God, I'm about to go on live television. We don't even have an app in the app store. Like, there is there is life just puts you in those moments where you're having an absolute panic and you're just going back to basics you're going back to the breath I'd love to ask you about just to go back to the perfectionism it sounds like you know especially when you're in LA it's very much a symptom of the environment that you're in you know striving for for so much in the and just everything being quite perfect and very polished do you did you go back any further like did you understand or derive where that perfectionist tendency comes from Yes. So um, I have a chapter in the book called My Toxic Core Beliefs. It looks at the beliefs we developed as children and how they turn toxic. So I was just such a mediocre child. Like I just didn't have a special skill. And I think that when you go to school and you're at that age, you so want to kind of have this one kind of talent and it could be just having a great ponytail and I remember mm-hmm. looking at kind of my friend Charlie and she had this great ponytail her hair just looked great in a ponytail and I was like oh Charlie's so cool she's got this great ponytail I'm like Nick he's such a good swimmer I'm like Joe well you know he can throw a ball further than anybody else and you're just kind of looking for your superpower you're like oh my god what's mine what you know and the reason why people might like me and I just remember just not ever finding one you know I wasn't you know I wasn't really like really clever I was just average same (laughs) yeah (laughs) like didn't always get in the sports teams but maybe was sub you know kind of and um and I just remember like turning that into well I'm going to be perfect when I'm older and when I'm perfect everybody's going to like me and um and that is just such a sweet like childlike view to kind of understand life, I guess, is you're like, well, when I'm older, everything's going to be fine. And then suddenly I kind of got a bit older and then I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. Why, why is perfect not happening? I'm trying so hard and I'm still not reaching perfect. I'm trying, well, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to try harder then. And uh, the problem is, is that we then interpret life's events as evidence for our core beliefs. So I started um, in television presenting and I had a boss that would say, mm, yeah, your voice isn't right. And you don't look right for TV. And I'd go, oh my God, like evidence again for, I just need to be better. And then maybe my voice will get, if I, my voice, if I change my voice, maybe I'll be more perfect. Or if I change the way I look, then maybe I'll be liked. And it was such a slippery slope. How much do you think that um, our core beliefs really determine our propensity towards anxiety. I mean, I don't think people tend to think when they're anxious, let's go back to my core beliefs, but do you think that's quite like a, this it's plants the seed? Absolutely. I, you know, I talk about, um, there's a difference between mental health maintenance and mental health reprogramming. So when we're feeling anxious, like, yes, we do not have the capacity because our brain is in fight and flight. Our brain is like uh, an alarm going off. And so you asking questions like, oh my gosh, what core belief is being triggered right now? We do not have the capacity because our emotional center of our brain is overactivated. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So when we're experiencing anxiety, um, in the book, I talk about the the solution, my solution to, to almost everything to do with my mind really comes down to flexible thinking. I know when I'm anxious, I'm being very stiff. I know when I'm being very mean to myself, I'm stuck in stiff thoughts. And actually the power to stretch my thoughts and live life in a bendy way, in a flexible way, totally changed the game for me. And so step one is really that it's called connection. And that is when we're experiencing anxiety, it's connecting with that anxiety, which feels so odd because usually when something feels uncertain, we want to run away as fast as we can from the anxiety. But actually what my research has found is that actually we step towards that anxiety through a diffusion technique like today or right now, my mind feels anxious. And by saying that line, which was taken from acceptance commitment therapy, you're accepting, you're welcoming that anxiety in by saying right now, and you're reminding yourself that emotions are temporary and never forever. So right now, you know, in a few moments, you may not feel like this right now, my mind feels anxious and you're reminding yourself that you are not your anxiety because one of the problems I had was I would be like, well, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just this sort of person. Um, by saying things like that, we, 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 we start to attach ourselves in this very permanent way to an emotion that is always fleeting. It's like the weather. So by reminding yourself that will pass and to connect with it, you actually start by you label how you're feeling, which actually starts to deactivate the emotional center in your brain. You start to slow down the amygdala. By doing that, you start to switch on that prefrontal cortex or otherwise known as the wise part of the brain. And so that's when um, step two, we move into curiosity. And curiosity is asking a question like, hmm, is this feeling true? Is this thought true? So, okay, why am I feeling anxious? Like, oh God, well, I think Caroline hates me. Is this true? I'm like, wow, my brain is like, yes, my inner critics. Like, yes, it's true. It's true. I think she hates you. Can I be a hundred percent sure this is true? Well, no, because I can't see into someone else's brains. I've got no idea what they're thinking. Third question, how does this thought make, how does this thought make me feel? Like, well, anxious, like really low energy, scared, worried, fearful, um, more anxious about other things, spiraling. Who would I be without this thought? Free, like happy, confident in my power. And suddenly we realize when we get curious about the feeling we're having rather than pushing it away, that actually the root of our suffering is usually within our thoughts are usually not true. Most of our thoughts, as we know, thoughts are not facts, but yet these lies we tell ourselves can create our body to go into that fight and flight danger detection mode when actually there's no truth behind it. And so the third step is 
well, am I going to make a choice right now to be compassionate? We may not have a choice to be happy at times because life can throw a real shit sandwich at us, but we always have a choice to be kind towards ourselves, And to remember that choice we always have at any moment to pause, not to react, not to jump to our conclusions, not to be a slave to our, like our, our, our assumptions and our reactiveness. And our emotional, overactive emotional center wants us to react. It wants us to go, oh my God, that stick looks like a snake. It may be a stick, but I don't have time to think or investigate. It's a snake, run. Instead of being in that reactive mode, reacting to threats that are not true, when we pause, and take the power of the pause to investigate and go, hmm, I'm going to investigate this further. And I'm also going to choose to be kind towards myself. And in that pause, we find our wisdom. In that pause, we're able to slow down the emotional center in our brain, start to tap into that wise part. And a great inspiration for me is Viktor Frankl. And he's an amazing author of Man's Search for Meaning. And he talks about in that moment between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And we're like, wow, in that compassionate moment when I can tap into my wisdom and say questions like, what would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? What would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? And suddenly we realize we're so good at giving our advice to friends, but so bad at giving ourselves that advice. We start to really train that skill of treating ourselves like a friend. And then the fourth step of the flex method that I write about in the book is commitment. How can I commit to action that serves my values? How can I commit to compassionate action? that aligns with my best self. Like how would my best self respond to this situation? And suddenly we unlock a completely different future and no longer are we stuck in Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. We're actually able to change, use the present moment and change, unlock ourselves from the past and the subconscious brain driving our decisions and consciously redesign how we move, make our future look like. Wow, it's such a powerful framework and it's so, the fact that it's so proactive and actionable because I think so often, I mean, I certainly know myself, you're reading about anxiety, you're going around and around in circles talking about how crap you feel and you're getting nowhere. And I think that's helpful to a point. Like once you can understand well what's going on like what is anxiety why am I feeling this way then you need to be able to do something about it and that's where I think people get a little bit disillusioned and they try to subscribe to all the things that we think are helpful like just forcing meditation on ourselves or getting up at 5am and doing yoga if that's not your thing that's not going to help so it really sounds like a more tailored personalized approach absolutely and I you hit the nail on the head and this idea that you know, the wellness industry kind of like jams down our throats. Oh yes, yoga at five, do this, do this, do this. And it's actually becoming so overwhelming. And then in that kind of overwhelm, the guilt and the shame, oh God, should I be doing more? Should I, oh God, I'm like, oh, I should have meditated today. Uh, you know, that's why my anxiety is like, no, we are all so different. And also anxiety is so normal. You know, I think sometimes we talk about it as in like, oh, this terrible thing. Like, thank God we have, you know, anxiety at times because it actually, you know, emotions are just information messages telling us to be aware of things. But if we can kind of almost slightly deregulate its importance, normalize anxiety, then realize, hold on a minute, let's tap into its wisdom. I think we can totally change our relationship with it. Absolutely. To go back to the reprogramming kind of part of, of the approach, do you have any advice for people who have no idea what their core beliefs are like how do we find out what they are before we can even set about changing them what kind of questions can we ask ourselves so i think look it obviously if if you do have access to um if you do have access to a professional it is very helpful in being able to kind of uncover some of the you know big events that happened when you were younger that possibly could have shaped the way you look at life you know for example um i know you know a lot of people you know, in, in their childhood or something, they felt like they felt let down by a parent and thus it's created a feeling of like not being able to trust people. Now, even just being aware of these big events and how it made them feel and where it's showing up in their life 
like you know the patterns of their relationships for example or you know what are the what are the arguments they keep getting into or what are those moments when suddenly they feel quite angry about something they're triggered like it's never ever usually the thing that really triggered you it's not really the fact that your friend left the fridge open for the seventh time like it's not really about the fridge it's about something more than that and I think it's not to take our life such a a face value it's going why but why did this really annoy me was it really because actually it's a lack of thought thoughtfulness you know in my friend and that makes me feel unloved and unsafe And so I think when we're able to have that curiosity to go, yeah, but why did this, why did this actually annoy me that he didn't come home on time? Or, you know, why did it actually annoy me? She didn't reply to my email. What does this really, why is this hurting me? And, um, and I think it helps us to remove the blame off our environment and actually look within and go, actually, I have a sore spot when people do that. And that's okay. And that that self-awareness, I think, unlocks us to then being able to retrain the way that we react to life. And, you know, this is, this is a lifetime's work. But as the ancient Greeks said, know thyself. The greatest power we all have is to slightly slow down and to look underneath the surface of our reactions. And there lies so much information about ourselves. I want to ask you about the title. So happy, not perfect. Sometimes I think personally, the idea of happiness is quite a lofty goal and perhaps it's more just contentment we should aim for. Why did you choose to go with the word happy? So it was, it was funny. These three words came to me in the middle of the night at 3am and it was in January, 2015. And I remember being like, oh my God, I have got, I've been getting life so so wildly wrong because I thought that happy would arrive when I reached perfect and suddenly the words happy not perfect was like this joke that was kind of you'd like the world was kind of sending into my mind being like Poppy actually happiness is when we're able to accept total imperfection is when happiness is when we're able to accept our flaws. Happiness is when we're able to accept when things go wrong, when things go off course. Happiness is in that moment when we receive the biggest challenge and we're like, ah, and then we're like, actually, no, I can get through this. Happiness is the real opposite of perfect. And so um, it kind of led me to redefine what I understood a, a happiness to be and also realized that I needed to redefine what happy was and also that you know happiness is that the, the, the words mean so much because you know happiness in itself is not perfect because it doesn't last very long you know we go through moments of being happy and then we're feeling something else so um suddenly when I started to redefine it it actually opened up far more feelings of happiness you are obviously very active on social media. I mean, I think it's essential for an entrepreneur today. I don't think any business can not be on it. But we both know it can be such a source of social comparison um, and anxiety, and just even just the actual act of just constantly picking it up and the you know the dopamine and the or the the opposite really. If you don't get the likes, I know you did an amazing TED talk on addicted to likes. How, how is your relationship with social media now? How, how has it changed over the years? Um. Well, it's funny because I did that TED talk um, talking about the, um, I guess, the mental health implications of social media in 2016. And I watched it the other day and I thought, wow, God, how crazy. Six years later and nothing's really changed. If anything, it's got worse. Um, And, you know, social media in itself is not neither good or bad. You know, technology is just a platform and how we use it defines its impact on us, you know, if we're, if we're following really inspirational feeds and things that, you know, we're learning from, then, you know, Instagram can be great. But the problem is on the whole, you know, even with myself, it's very difficult to attach our sense of self away from this profile we have that is all about external validation. And, you know, numbers turn into the things that we put 
meaning behind oh did people like that photograph why do they like it why do they not like this person oh why do they not like this photograph should i delete it do i look like this there what does it say about me like it's it's such an odd platform and it's kind of turned into the shopping channel a little bit where we're just being bombarded with things to buy and consumerism in itself is like you're not enough but you might be if you buy this and it's so easy for us to become bored. And, you know, if you think about it, 20 years ago, if you were waiting for a friend to meet them at a bar and they were late, you had nothing to do but just sit there with your thoughts, maybe talk to the people around you, be present, look around. But now if you go into a bar and people are waiting for people, everybody's on their phone. And it's it's a strange thing, these devices, what it's done to us in taking away our enjoyment of the present moment. And I say this and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. If I was waiting for my friend, I'd be like quickly finishing off my emails. Oh my God, I did, oh, oh, interesting. Should I look up that online? You know, it, it's become these devices that have all the answers. And, um, and that is a little bit scary. And I do think we're going to go through tremendous change with our relationship with it and I do think the switch off generation is coming absolutely I think it's it's it has to happen I mean it can only go go so far do you do you struggle with social comparison when you're scrolling your feed I noticed now lately like that's probably one of the biggest sources I'm at home with my baby all day so there's not that many sources like I'm just scrolling and I'm like oh I, I should be doing more I should be doing this and for me that's a huge one like do you, do you find that difficult oh my god I mean who doesn't it's like you've had a great holiday suddenly you actually realize your friend had a better one because they actually had sun and you had rain all the time you know and suddenly you're like oh that holiday wasn't so good and oh you're really happy about something that happens with work and then actually you're like oh god like you know, someone else's work is way better. Like we never used to compare ourselves this much. And I am, as I said, I have to every single day, like, you know, I've got to use the tools because, you know, even with the book, like, you know, I'm really proud of this book. I looked, you know, put my heart and soul into it, but you go on social media and you know what, 10 other people have got far more successful books than you. (laughs) Like, you're like, oh, great. (laughs) But I have to remember like, how do we define success? And also comparing people, comparing ourselves is like comparing apples and donkeys. You know, they're just so different. You know, you just wouldn't compare the two. You'd be like, one is a fruit, one is an animal. And, um, and I know like, obviously we're all the same species like humans, but we're all so different. We've all gone through so many different things. And I also truly believe all of us have different things happening to us at different stages of our life. Like some people, their career like launches in their twenties and other people's careers launch in their forties. And some people have children and some people who don't like for me, I'm just about to turn 31 and I'm suddenly going, Oh my God, should I have a baby? Like, Oh God, like have I suddenly done all my life wrong? Like focusing on my career, like, mm-hmm. should I have, like try spent more time being, you know, like focusing on relationships. Like, ah, oh. like we, all of us have these like worries of like, Oh God, like, because we've got so many choices and social media kind of exacerbates that like in in kind of I guess confronting us with the choices we've made in life but you know I think fundamentally I kind of just go back to the point that we're all unfolding in this most amazing divine way for ourselves like you know I love the quote what is meant for me will not pass me by like we are all individually doing the best and the most perfect things for our, our ourselves. How do you feel now about the future? Because like you said, some people's careers really take off in their 20s, some not till their 40s. You have achieved a lot at such a young age, you know, like to be doing TED Talks in 2016. What were you, 25, 24? Yeah. That's like, that's insane. I mean, most people can only dream of that. Do you feel pressure to maintain that level of success? as you go into your 30s and your 40s? You know, that is such a good question. It's something I'm really thinking about at the moment, actually, as to, you know, this work has really made me redefine success. I think what I saw success to be when I was 24 is something very different that I see now. And, you know, I I, I sacrificed a huge amount for 10 years in terms of, you know, I moved away from family and friends. I missed birthdays. I missed weddings. I'm, I pretty much was single for eight years. You know, that you, you know, nothing comes without a price and we all choose what we're willing to prioritize because you can't do it all. It is a total myth that you can do it all. And, you know, I lived, 
you know, some, some would say probably a very selfish life, even though the pursuit was to help other people. I, you know, there was loads of things I missed in terms of like close family and friends, um, you know, engagements. And so I'm really redefining, well, you know, yes, that like, that was amazing. I achieved many things. It was, it was wonderful. I had this incredible experience, but you know, I, I, I really have to think, well, what do I want my life to look like in 10 years time? Because actually I, I don't think I do want to be, you know, totally cut off from family and friends and, you know, no one on their deathbed said, I wish I worked harder. Um, and so, you know, I think that everyone has different seasons and, you know, sometimes you're in the season of rest. Sometimes you're in the season of working really hard. Sometimes you're in the season of investigating and being curious. Sometimes you're in the season of relationships. Sometimes you're in the season of children. Sometimes you're in the season, you know, of being independent. Um, and I, I guess I'm at the moment going, right, what does my next season look like? And, 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 and what does a life that has a little bit more balance. And I, I don't think balance truly really exists, but you know, what, what, what am I willing to prioritize now? I love that. I've never considered it that way before the seasons of life, because I guess for me, something I've really been struggling with is since I had a baby, you know, obviously the patriarchy makes us feel like it's, we're not doing anything or we're just with our baby all day. We're not achieving anything. We've nothing to show for the end of our day. And I have felt so disconnected from, I mean, apart from the podcast, this is like the one little thing I'm holding on to. It's so hard, you know, to just be at home with your baby and maintain a career or pursue new things. And I guess if I approach it from like, I'm in this season right now where he's my priority for a couple of years and that's okay. It doesn't mean that my, my value or my worth has gone down or that I'm finished or I've had my moment in the sun or, you know, anything like that. So I think that takes the pressure off because I think that we, we, we tend to kind of default to think that we have to be maintaining the status quo all the time. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely exhausting. And also in a way, I just think the world can't even sustain it. Like we're already going through such, you know, there's so much pressure on the world in general in terms of, um, I think, you know, capitalism is like unsustainable, you know, everyone wants kind of like more for less. And obviously we're kind of destroying the environment at the same time. I'm like, if we completely redefined what it was and understood that our lives are long. And I do think these notions of life is short, you know, you can sleep when you die. It's ridiculous. And, and actually two years, three years is absolutely nothing. nothing. And I feel really passionately about, trying to like, you know, actually, you know, and I think it's very influenced by my mother who, you know, always used to say I'd go to, she would go to dinner parties and, uh, you know, somebody would say, what do you do? And she's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm looking after the children. And, you know, she felt that like they then weren't interested in her, but yet how do we expect to raise wonderfully like loved children if, you know, if, if we're not, giving that incredible job being a mother the respect it deserves thank you <laughs> you know we're creating the future generation and the future generation doesn't get created by themselves it gets created by you know like men women people whatever gender you associate yourself with like understanding that that's our the like kind of the most important job that we have like on this earth Oh, Poppy, I feel so validated. Thank you so much. I, this, this has turned into me needing a therapy session from you. So thank you. I'm getting very selfish now. Before I let you go, I want to just ask you, is there, if there was one thing that you want people to take from this book or from the app as well, what, what would it be? To learn to be a flexible thinker and just to know that every challenge can be, you can bend around, you can stretch around. And um, and yeah, flexible thinking really is such a route to freedom because you learn very compassionately and gently to to know that you can shape shift for you know for the rest of your life and also you know ask questions like oh why is this happening to me and swap that to why is this happening for me and um you know we realize that you know diamonds like lie in the rough and you know the gifts are often like hidden but life can become so much more of an adventure and a scavenger hunt with uh, a different approach to it. So I hope the book can hopefully be of help to many people. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh my God, 
thank you so much for for all of your incredible pearls of wisdom you've got an incredible way of distilling the neuroscience and you know the biology into something really useful and practical and and it's just incredibly relatable because you're coming from a place of you know you you've experienced it's your lived experience to have felt you know how crap anxiety can be and that's just so helpful to someone who's listening who's feeling you know like they're about to burn out and let's just hope that you know one of the results of of your work and, and hopefully my work too is that people don't get to the point where they collapse on the floor burn out before they realize i need to take care of myself you know i remember being so shocked by Ariana Huffington's book when she said she like fell and she I think she fainted and she literally broke her cheekbone and that was the point at which she had to go to to realize how important it was to just take a step back and take care of herself and we don't want people breaking bones to come to confront you know the fragility of their well-being so I think that you're you're 100% going to achieve you know that for people and flexible thinking is the way to go so Poppy Jamie huge congratulations and thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.